Hey, teacher friends, this is Kara Rigman, the founder of Create Your Balance with Literacy, and I am so excited to share this time with you today. I'm a 23-year veteran teacher turned coach, mentor, and trainer to help teachers develop their craft and teaching cross-curricular. I cannot wait to share all of my tips and tricks with you today. Are you ready to take your classroom to the next level? Let's get started, shall we? Today's podcast is all about a day in first grade. Teaching cross-curricular in first grade just comes naturally to me. I know it was meant to be a first grade teacher. Teaching cross-curricular is the best way that I know how to make better connections with my students. It really makes me proud when my students connect science and math together or connect writing and social studies together. They say, hey, this reminds me of when we did this or this reminds me of what we talked about this morning. I know teaching this way might sound scary to some, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. It takes some planning and preparing your materials, but once you do, you'll be set to go. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. The first thing to remember, you have to know your standards and your scope and sequence for your grade level. Once you have that, everything else will fall into place. In this podcast, I'm going to share my class schedule with you. Hang on to your hat because this is going to be a long podcast with tons of information. You might want to find a comfy chair. So at 725 in the morning, the first bell rings. My students sit outside my door and wait to greet me. I've trained them to wait because I don't want them to enter my classroom without me there to say, good morning. And when I'm ready, I greet them one at a time using our choice greetings, either a handshake, a hug, fist bump, or high five. When my students come into the classroom, they grab their chairs and hang their backpacks on the back of their chair with both straps down. I do this so their backpack will not fall off their chair. Then they get out their reading log for me to check. They exchange their book in my library with a new book every single day. I walk around and give bonus bucks if they read the night before and have their reading log signed. After they exchange their books, they check their blue work folder to see if they have any finished, any unfinished work from the day before. If they are all finished with their work, then they can read their new book while they wait for the announcements. At 7.35, the second bell rings. We watch our announcements, called KFES, on the smartboard, and then I take the lunch count. At 7.45, we start our morning meeting. Everyone puts away all their materials and comes to sit on the carpet in a circle. I sit in the circle too. We sing a good morning song and wave our hands while we sing. It goes like this. The sun is shining. Good morning. Good morning. And we're all smiling. Good morning. Good morning. And everyone. Hooray. Hooray. Have a good day. And then I say, good morning, boys and girls. And they say, Good morning, Miss Rickman. And I say, how's everyone today? And they say, good. So our morning meetings center around our grade eight skills. Optimism, responsibility, self-awareness, making good decisions, goal setting, building relationships, social awareness, and self-management. I have mentor text and activities for each skill. They each last for nine weeks. My weekly morning meeting schedule is as follows. Monday, we share good things from the weekend. Tuesday, we introduce the new character trait, new rules or procedures. On Wednesday, we read or watch a mentor text that goes along with our character trait or new rule. On Thursday, we complete a template about our character trait for our whole child notebook. And on Friday, we have glows and grows or you tell something that we're looking forward to. At 7.55, we start our phonics. Our phonics curriculum is 95%. 
Shortly after morning meeting, we stay seated on the carpet for our phonics lesson, but the students go back to their colored square that they are assigned to. I give them specific squares to sit on so it's consistent, and they don't argue with each other. First, we do some phonogram sound cards with motions, hand motions, and then some Hegarty. If you're not familiar with Hegarty, it's a oral phonemic awareness where the kids respond to what they hear. And after that, we complete our lesson for 95% phonics. My students have phonics drawers next to their tables. They keep their magnetic letters, their sound chip baggies, and their phonics books in the drawers. We use the phonics drawers every single day, and they are responsible for keeping their drawers nice and neat and organized. At 8.30 starts Reader's Workshop. This is one of my favorite times of the day when I get to read a story to my students. I try and read a new mentor text every single day to reinforce our new skills. I spend the whole week on one skill with the I do, we do, and you do, the gradual release of responsibility. Monday and Tuesday is the I do and you do. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are the we do and the you do. If you're interested in my Reader's Workshop blog post, check out my blog post about Reader's Workshop. Go to createyourbalancewithliteracy.com. For example, if I'm teaching about text-to-self connection, then I will read The Kissing Hand, and then we complete a schema notebook template for comprehension. My schema notebook is my reader's notebook. If you look on my YouTube channel, I do have a schema notebook video that shows all about the templates. I also have an anchor chart that goes along with the skill. If you're interested on how I pre-make my anchor charts, I also have a YouTube video that you can watch on how I make them. At nine o'clock, we start reading groups and focused instruction. While my students are completing their schema notebook template, I call my reading groups up to my teacher table. I have a peer facilitator that walks around and answers questions so I'm not interrupted. My peer facilitator is my star student. When I first start my star student, I typically pick somebody that's very responsible and knows the roles as they answer questions. That way they can be a good role model and set the stage for the rest of the year. I typically have four to five reading groups divided by reading level or skill level. My low babies are in a skill level group that works on phonemic awareness with Hegarty, letters and sounds, sound mapping, writing, reading decodable readers, and sound walls. We use a sound mapping activity with red and yellow chips. The red chips are for the vowels and the yellow chips are for the consonants. We map out the words and then write it to the side. This is great practice for short and long vowel sounds. For example, we might make the word family cat, mat, sat, flat, drat, that. My higher reading groups work on Hegarty, fluency, comprehension, and guided writing. We read a leveled book that's on their level, and then we pick questions from popsicle sticks. The students take turns to read in the questions, and then they answer the questions. Here are some of the questions that they can pick. What is author's purpose? What is the genre? Tell the beginning, middle, and end. Was there a problem? How was it solved? Where is the setting? And who are the characters? Equally, at the same time, I also have my literature circles going on while I'm having my reading groups. This is my very high, high reading group that soars in reading. These students are typically above grade level in their reading and comprehension and fluency. They meet independently on the carpet to read Magic Treehouse on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They each have a specific job that they have to do each day. I put together a folder for them to respond about the story. 
If you're interested in reading more about my literature circles, check out my blog post in my on my teacher website, createyourbalancedliteracy.com. This is also the time that the interventionists come and pull out the students for gifted and talented reading groups, math groups, speech, or dyslexia. At 9.50, we start Writer's Workshop. Overall, this is my absolute favorite time of the day. I love teaching writing and I could teach it all day long. And the students know this. They get so excited when I say, it's Writer's Workshop time, and they cheer. I follow the gradual release of responsibilities similar to Reader's Workshop. I teach my students the writing process and they all have a choice of genre and topic to write about. My students get so excited they want to write all day long. I read a new mentor text every single day to reinforce our new skill. And then I challenge my students to add the new skill to their stories. So let's say that I, I teach a new skill about nouns and I read a book about nouns. Then I challenge them and I say, I wonder how many nouns you have in your own story. So they might have their story in their lap on the carpet and then they might raise their hand and then tell us some nouns that they have. If I teach about prepositions, I challenge them to add some prepositions in their story. If I teach about adjectives, I challenge them to add adjectives in their story. I always keep their fold writing folders in a separate tub near my author's chair. I tell them that authors and writers need to have their writing in a separate place where it's nice and neat and organized. If you're interested in how I do my writer's workshop, check out my blog post under createyourbalancedwithliteracy.com. Here is the process writing poster that my students use. These are the steps that we use for process writing. Brainstorming, first draft, student conference, proofreading, teacher conference, editing and revision, final draft, and publishing. If you're interested to see a video of how my kids do status of the class, check out my YouTube channel. At 10.30 to 11.35 is recess and lunch. From 11.40 to 12.15 is math workshop. The first thing we do when we come back in from lunch is put away our lunch boxes and come sit on the carpet. I always do a countdown. I count down from 10. Whoever is first on the carpet with their thumb up and their bubble gets a bonus book. I leave the lights off and I read a chapter book. Typically, I read Magic Treehouse. My students love Magic Treehouse. This is another easy way to teach cross-curricular. Magic Treehouse books often lend themselves to go along with my thematic unit. For example, if I'm teaching about presidents, then I will read the Magic Treehouse called Revolutionary War on Wednesday. It just goes perfectly with my thematic unit. After that, we turn to the calendar, which is right next to my author's chair. We spend about 10 minutes for a recursive review. Some skills that we go over daily are days of the week, tally marks, counting coins, numbers, the days of the week, place value, expanded form, weather poems, we sing 50 Nifty States song, we sing the continent song, and we do a wreck and wreck counting. If you'd like to watch a video of me teaching calendar, check out my YouTube channel. After calendar, we go into our math lesson using our whiteboards, math literature, and anchor charts. The students get their whiteboards, tissue, and expo marker, and can, they come back to the carpet. Again, I have a countdown to see who can quietly come back to the carpet when I get to one and has their thumb up and their bubble. I always have a question on the board for them to answer to hook them into the lesson for the day. I also read them a math story, and they touch their schema and they say, why is the story about math? They have to listen to the story and then make an inference why the story was about math. They write each new skill on their whiteboard. So if I'm teaching addition, I will read an addition story. 
they might write an addition sentence, they might write a number bond, they might write a 10 frame. I encourage them to write on their whiteboard the new skill that I have taught them for the week. I always try really hard to make sure the math story goes along with our skill for the week. Another way I teach cross-curricular is that we write a lot in math. I love to teach my students how to write story problems. We practice using sentence starters for our story problems. One, some of the sentence starters that we use are, one day, I had, I saw, there was, my friend had, or I ate. If you want to see a quick video of my kiddos writing their story problems, check out my YouTube channel. So then we pause and then we go to camp. So camp time is computer, art, music, and PE from 12.15 to 1.05. Then we come back at 1.05. 1.05 to 2.15 is math workshop continued, but this is where we do our math rotations. I have teacher table, math journal, independent practice, math tubs, and technology. I love using Seesaw for my independent practice. We practice at the beginning of the year how to have smooth and quiet transitions between each rotation. If you'd like to check out a video of my kids transitioning, check out my YouTube channel. Some pictures of my kiddos doing my math rotations are teacher table with in and out, math tubs, playing with 10 black dots or 10 apples up on top or a math edition math mat or math journal. And when they're doing the math journal, I always have them start cutting out a square at the beginning of the year because they only have about 10 minutes long. So I teach my students how to use their time wisely and get started quickly. The math journal is probably the hardest to finish. So I only give them, like I said, one thing to cut out. And as the year goes on, they get faster and they finish before the timer goes off. If you're interested in reading more about my math workshop blog, check out my blog post at createyourbalancewithliteracy.com. Afterwards, at the end of the math block, I always try and have an exit ticket. I ask the students a question about something that we learned that day, and they write on a post-it note. They always write their name at the top, and then they answer the question. This helps me observe who got the lesson today or who needs a reteach at my teacher table the following day. From 2.15 to 2.50 is science and social studies. Teaching cross-curricular, to me, means alternating between science and social studies. I do two weeks of one and then flip-flop to the other. I spend two or three weeks on each one. I feel like the students get a better grasp on the skills they need to learn, and I can take more time to introduce and practice them. I always try to read a mentor text every day to introduce the new skill. I also have anchor charts and interactive notebooks to go along with each skill. Again, I do the gradual of release responsibility. I do, we do, and you do. So on Fridays, we have what's called Fahrenheit Friday, where we do a science experiment or investigation. My students have lab coats that they wear. If you're interested in reading more about my Fahrenheit Friday, check out my blog post on createyourbalancewithliteracy.com. I love doing writing craftivities with science and social studies. I love using word banks. I make academic vocabulary cards and I put them on my pocket chart for my students to use in their story. One of the examples of a word bank might be from my Texas unit about the Battle of the Alamo. Some of the words that might be on my word bank are Alamo, Texas, Texas flag, Sam Houston, Susanna Dickinson, Colonel Travis, David Crockett, Jim Bowie, General Santa Ana. So how this works is I challenge my students to use as many vocabulary words as they can in their story. 
For each vocabulary word that they use, they get a bonus book. This is also such an easy way to teach cross-curricular by adding writing to any subject. I love adding writing to science and social studies. We do a lot of interactive notebooks. We do a lot of craftivities during this time. And then at 2.50 to 3 o'clock, we do pack and stack. Last, we have a race between teams to see who can clean up stacked chairs, exchange pencils, and sweep the floor the fastest for bonus books. Each table has jobs. My jobs are table captain, a floor sweeper, chair stacker, and pencil trader. They follow a poster that is on my wall to know what jobs they are for the week. Each week it changes, so everybody has a chance to be each job. Whoever, which team has their backpacks on with their thumbs up will win the bonus bucks race. I will also do a countdown when I have one minute left, and then I count down from 10 to see which table is ready first. This race is so important when you are in a time crunch and are needing the students to be speedy. So many times, lots of teachers are late to dismissal because their students take way too long to clean up the classroom. So I have pack and stack, which is an easy, quick thing that my students can do that is easy and speedy and consistent each day. At three o'clock, we have dismissal. We line up by transportation. Sometimes I might say, line up if you have blue eyes, if you have green eyes, if you have brown eyes, or a certain hair color, or a certain shirt color, or types of shoes, or different kinds of pants. I have a graph on my door that shows how each student goes home, which we make on the very first week of school. So they have colored a picture of how they're going home, and then we graph it, and then we put it on a poster. This is also very helpful when you have a substitute. The substitute can go a look on the graph and she can tell who's going home as a walker, a car rider, going to Girls and Boys Club, or a bus rider. Finally, we sing the song from Annie that's tomorrow as we leave and I give everybody a hug. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love ya, tomorrow, you're only a day away. So we all dismiss and we give each other a hug and then they walk out to their designated place. And there you have it. We made it through a whole day teaching cross-curricular in first grade. Phew, that's a ton of information all in one day. That's why they say time flies when you're having fun. My students will frequently say, oh, it's time to go home already. That is so great to hear because I know they had a great day and I, they don't want to go home. The day goes by super fast for me as well. Just think about how many decisions a teacher has to make in one day. No wonder we're mentally and physically tired. So I hope you enjoyed my blog post or my podcast about my daily schedule. And until next time, I hope you have a great day. And I cannot wait to hear about your own class schedule. Toodaloo!